Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly. My name is Chris. I am your host and thank you very much for being patient with us this week. As we discussed last week, we wanted to hold back this week's episode just to ca- encapsulate the uh, the France game last night. Um, maybe we kind of regret that decision given the result, but more on that in a second. Um, I have Mr. Jeremy Smith with me this week. Jess, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Enjoying the last dregs of summer uh, while we've still got them. So, yeah, we'll take that. Although apparently you're supposed to get a heatwave in October. So I think the world's gone mad, but whatever. Right. Let's jump in. Just me and you today, mate. So it might be a bit of a slightly shorter show, but we wanted to cover the two France internationals first of all. Uh, I say two. We're also going to touch on the under 21s for obvious reasons as well. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with U21s or should we start with the main team? Uh, under 21s, just under 21s. a little bit more positive, maybe. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. So Thierry Henry taking charge of his first two games. What did you make of them? Um, given the results and a couple of goals for some very familiar figures in, in Liga, what was your thoughts? Yeah, I think generally very positive. Um I don't, you know, there's not yet too much to be read into sort of, I think, you know, Denmark have got a decent recent under 21 pedigree, but a sort of relatively comfortable home win in a friendly. Um, and then a probably more impressive sort of first qualifying match away from home in Slovenia, you know, the tougher challenges will await. I think they've got a few more away qualifiers and, and, you know, hoping that they've qualified generally recently and actually generally we haven't always qualified but even when we have done we've often been disappointing in the tournaments but and of course the the main priority here is the world cup this season but sorry the olympics rather yeah but i think so far mostly very positive i think ori seems to have the the you know we know that they got the personnel but they always have done but he's he's picked um pretty attacking lineups i think he actually picked the same lineup in both matches um i quite like the formation sort of four three one two so uh, you know just a little bit more emphasis on on the on the front and ryan shaky for all his faults that we've discussed before and i think were on show at times in both these matches actually is you know the archetypal number 10 he was given the number 10 shirt he played like a number 10 and it was nice to see that kind of traditional position back um goals were shared about between sort of him Barkala, Wahi, um which was nice to see um and I think the whole team played their part I think in both matches very early on um Rest or Estes, I think it's Rest in goal. The, the young Toulouse keeper mm. came up in both matches with fantastic double saves to keep keep. Um, I think in both cases it was nil nil at the time. The the one in, in against Denmark was particularly particularly good. Um, so he certainly sort of, I guess, began to make a name for himself. Zaya Emery was named as the surprise captain. I think he was the youngest player in the team, and Ori made him captain, which I think. I wonder if that is sort of very much looking to the future and even maybe sort of doing Deshaun and the, and the first team a favour. I mean, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if Zaya Emery ended up in the uh, the full front squad by the end of the season. And yeah. I think this kind of giving him that extra bit of responsibility sort of even kind of 
getting him to sort of get out of his comfort zone and maybe be more vocal and show more leadership than he normally would do, I think all sort of, um, yeah, I think speaks to what everyone thinks about him and the, and his potential. And and he certainly seems to do a good job and sort of, I don't know about thrive, but, um, you know, certainly didn't sort of hide away or, or kind of, you know, didn't affect his performance. I think he was substituted in both matches actually, but um so yeah, generally really positive. The 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 attacking play was great. Um, it seemed to be a lot sort of playing on the break, but I think by all accounts France did sort of dominate possession in both matches as well. So so far so good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, Cherky and Barcola for me stood out, especially in that qualifier. They were electric, and like you said, Zoya Emery. I think you're spot on with that. Feels like it's a it's a preparation before the World Cup, uh, the Euro, sorry for Deschamps, especially in that midfield area where there are some ageing players and a few players who are now, I think, probably considered will not be coming back. One for reasons we'll discuss later. Um, I think the days of like Kante, for example, are done. And, you know, Adrian Rabiot is probably playing best football he has in years, but he is getting up there in age. So you do feel like a dynamic midfielder like Zaire could be the future, along with obviously Kamavinga and Shuameni. Nice to see Not Lucian plays like yesterday. Say again, sorry. No, if Kamavinga plays like he did yesterday. No, true. Wasn't his best game in fairness. Uh, Lucian Agume also making his debut. I think the young inter midfielder as well. So nice to see a couple of um, players. Uh, Akilushe. Akilushe. I always get, I always say that wrong. The Monaco midfielder. He also Akilush. came on. Akilushe. Thank you. Um, and Diara as well, getting some minutes. The Strasbourg midfielder. So. A good use of, uh, of the squad from from Thierry Henry. What about the main squad then? Because we had a kind of a mixture of results, didn't we? I mean, ultimately, I think the key one was the Ireland game because naturally that was the qualifier, a 2-0 win, uh, fairly comfortable, and a banger from Shuameni in that game. And Marcus Turam also of Inter coming up with the second goal. And then it was followed up by a 2-1 defeat last night in Germany, it was a friendly, of course. Germany lost to Japan 4-1, which cost Hansi Flick his job. So I, I don't think it was a huge surprise that Germany won this game just on that whole, you know, backlash type of thing, isn't it? It's like German players want to make a stand. What I would say is, we'll come on to the friendly in a minute. From the qualification perspective, though, this kind of ties up the group for France now, doesn't it? In terms of it, it take a, an absolute mammoth of errors for them to not, top this group now I think they're six points clear of the Netherlands with five games played yeah you'd hope so I mean on the basis that you know they should hopefully beat Gibraltar when they play them you'd like to um, think so <laughs> that that you know that's another three points should be another three points in the bag and so it gives them I think a little bit of leeway so yeah I think it would be a, a, a horrific sort of implosion if they weren't to weren't to top the group now yeah. Um, yeah, I think against Ireland, similar-ish to the first match, I think Ireland gave a decent account of themselves and, and sort of were, were relatively strong in, in defence. I don't think France are at their best, but I think it was a sort of pretty professional performance. I don't think there was there were too many um, uh, points. I think everyone more or less did their bit. Um, and standouts were I thought Menor only really had one save to do, but 
to make, but it was a fan and it France already two 0 up, but it was a great save. Yeah. Um, I think Teo Hernandez looked fantastic going forwards, although partly because of the way he plays, he you know, I've seen a lot of people refer to him as the best left back in the world in the last week or so. I still think to be described as the best left back in the world, you have to be able to defend. Actually defend, and, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm still not convinced about that, but it was quite nice to see his brother sort of next to him and, and covering for him at times. Um, Chuameni, I think, was the standout player over across the two matches. I thought he was he was superb in the first match and arguably the only decent player yesterday. Um, so I think he, if he needed to sort of, you know, win any brownie points. I think he definitely did. Um, Giroud, I think, was a bit unlucky to to, to get injured early on in the first match, but I think Turam really took his chance, yeah. uh, which Kolomuani did not do yesterday. So, yeah, I think it was all round generally professional. I think, you know, two, maybe two important things to point out um, were that I thought France looked more fluid and more dangerous when... At the start of the second half, Griezmann sort of pushed forward a little bit more from that kind of that new sort of midfield box to box role into mm. having a little bit more attacking influence. Suddenly, France looked a bit better, I thought. And the other thing was Mbappe, who didn't have, uh, he really didn't have a great game. I would still venture to say that I don't think he's had a good 90 minutes for France for a long time. Since the World Cup, arguably, yeah. No, I would say including the World Cup. Mm, fair point, yeah. But... I keep thinking of the final and then getting upset. <laughs> yeah, but France were... The whole of France, the whole of this team were crap for 80 minutes. True. Um, I, He's still so good that he will still either create for himself or be part of important moments. So, you know, this was... He really wasn't so good on, on whenever it was last Thursday... Yet he still registers an assist, if you can call that an assist. I mean, really, it was all Chuameni's work, really, and was involved in the second goal as well. So you know, it just again shows how important he is, and and I guess that brings us to yesterday's match. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get all negative because you know, I I never read into friendlies too much, but Didier Deschamps did did change the side up considerably, which you would have expected him to do. There's a few names that, that stood out. I mean, Menon kept his place, which I don't think is a big surprise. Um, Griezmann also, Rabio was in. Um, but I think it. I think it's the players that maybe didn't take their chances. And I guess the four that stand out, Colomuani, Kamavinga, Saliba and, and Tadibo, maybe I'm being a bit harsh. I don't think he was particularly bad, but maybe the other three. Um, obviously, I'm a bit biased on Saliba, right? I think he's one of those players that I don't have any concerns. I think he's still, by the time the Euros comes around, he's going to be considerably fighting for that that centre-back spot. I think he just had a bit of an iffy night. Um, but maybe those two others, Kamavinga and, and Kolomwani, do you feel with Kolomwani, is it just a case of that he just needs to settle in at Paris and you know he's had a bit of a hectic period of time? And then with Kamavinga, do you think it's more important that he nails a position because he's he's starting to become that player that, yeah, he can do lots of different things, but can he do one really important thing at any given time? Do you know what I mean? I do. I mean, I think 
as you said, it's a friendly, it doesn't really matter. Although I quite like what someone in Lekeep said yesterday. When Germany are in disarray of all countries, don't give them a free win. <laughs> it's yeah, not true. doing not just France, but it's not doing any of Europe a favour no. to, to help Germany sort of regain a little bit of morale just ahead of their own Euro when they're in a mess. Um, it was a very strange selection. He sort of went back to the 2018 asymmetrical 4 4 2 with Rabiot in that Matuidi role, which I'm not sure that he, he can do. It's not a criticism of Rabiot, it's just that's not his sort of skill set. And he, I think he barely had any touches all match. Um, I think there are a few players who looked, there were some players who looked alarmingly tired. Mm. I guess you could argue maybe Hernandez was one of them, but then also, you know, he combined so well with, usually with Rabiot on the inside and sort of Mbappe drifting wider. And here he was kind of shorn of both of that, both of them. So maybe he was a bit lost or, you know, didn't know exactly what his role was here. Um, I think, yeah, Pava and Kolomuani, there is a mitigating circumstance that they haven't really started their season yet. Um, You've got a, a debutante, playing with someone who's almost as inexperienced playing for the first time together for the national team in, in central defence. Um, so, and you've got Griezmann playing as the sort of second striker, which he hasn't really done as a kind of out-and-out striker for, for quite a while now. So I just thought it was a very strange selection. And, and you know, maybe some of it was due to, you know, Giroud was injured, um, Mbappe was was nursing a bit of a knee injury. I wouldn't. I assume that PSG sort of leaned on Deshaun and reminded him how many important matches PSG have got coming up. I don't know, but Upamecano, um, I think, had a knock or an illness as well. So I think some things were forced on him, but still, I didn't think it was a particularly impressive performance. And and yeah, I mean, Kolomuani, maybe what he did in the the little bits that he did in the semi and the final of the World Cup and the season he had last year sort of give him an, enough credit in the bank. But I thought he was hugely disappointing. Mm. Um, I mean, to be fair, he should have been given a penalty in the first half. But yeah, um, yeah, I just, I thought he fluffed most of what he tried to do. Um, okay, one of them was a, a slip, but you felt like even then, if he was a little bit sharper and a bit quicker to to the ball after um, Tschlegen made a, a good save from another really good Chouameni shot, then you know it wouldn't have he wouldn't have sort of had to rush into a slip if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was Kamavinga that for me is. By the way, on, the, on the, I thought Saliba got a little bit. I thought the press he got was a bit too harsh, and Tadebo yeah. as well. I mean, he was you know, definitely a fault for the second goal, but I also didn't think he was so so bad for most of the match. And oh, despite how bad France were, Germany, between the fourth minute goal and the 87th minute goal, created very little. Mm. Um, but yeah, Kamavinga, I know I, I do, you know, we can come to Dembele and people might say that I just have my sort of entrenched views about certain players, but... He is such a talented footballer. And I agree to an extent with what you said. You know, the 
the talk before the match was that he was going to start a left back. And then when Rabio went off midway through the second half, he's the one that took that role on the on the left. So yeah, he can it's kind of a curse that he can play in different positions. But the fact is that for most of the match, he was playing in his best position with alongside his club teammate who was playing very well. And I just I thought he was awful. He gave the ball away a lot. He got himself into dangerous positions where he then lost the ball. I expected better from him. And I still wonder if there's a little bit of kind of, I don't know about attitude, but maybe a little bit of arrogance there, which I'm not sure he's um, earned the right to to have Mm. so far. Um, You know, I'm not disputing at all what a talent he is. It's almost like he maybe at this stage in his career, which is crazy because he's still so young, but so experienced, he, to me, still seems to be more effective as a substitute. And I know Mm. that's weird because you usually say that about maybe a striker or winger or something, but he seems to be so good when he comes on and and can run a midfield around sort of tiring legs. Mm. Um, But yeah, I'm just, I'm not yet sold on him for France. Is, Is there an argument particularly with Kamavinga, and if you look at the comparisons, I mean, ironically, he's got a player alongside him in Real Madrid's midfield of, of Jude Bellingham, and as much as I'm loath to give credit to English players, <laughs> um, he's he's a fantastic talent, he really is. Um, I feel like he's sort of jumped over almost every England midfielder at this point, and he's the same age. The difference is, there's an arrogant, there's, I think there's a level of arrogance with Bellingham as well. And if you talk to some of the Dortmund players, that seems to be the case before he left. But he strikes me as a player who can literally grab a game by the scruff of the neck. I don't feel like Kamavinga is ready to do that. Do you think maybe there's an element of that comparison between the two at the same age in terms of where they're at? I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure that's fair because I think Bellingham is more of an attacking player. So he's more sure. likely to sort of, you know, like yesterday, a goal and two assists, whatever it was. I think he's more, he's in a position where he can do that more. Whereas mm. Kamavinga, you know, he, he can be box to box. I think he could become a very good attacking midfielder if, if he wanted to, or if that's what, you know, his coaches wanted him to do. I think I'm not saying he's a sort of spoiler or just a defensive player, but I don't think he's in that position where what you do sort of grab games. You know, you, you can sort of be the most influential player on the pitch by dominating that midfield, but then you're always going to, you know, lighten that Real Madrid midfield. Then you'll probably give the ball to a Bellingham who is then going to do, you know, the, the eye catching or headline grabbing stuff. Mm. Um, I think maybe, you know, not even so much position, but maybe it's also a question of formation, like to fit to fit those three who we've just been speaking about, um, you know, Chiromeni as well, into that Real Madrid midfield. I think Ancelotti this year has been playing that sort of diamond midfield. Yeah. See, Deschamps didn't do that yesterday. So maybe Chiromeni was a little bit lost. I don't know. I just, like I said, he's still very young, but he's has amassed enough experience now that he should, I think, be able to adapt, but maybe that's not fair. Why should he have to keep adapting? I don't, I don't know. I I just, yeah, I'm not sure that the Bellingham comparison is entirely fair. Maybe, yeah, he's not used to playing in a sort of midfield two or a double pivot, whatever, but I just expected more of him yesterday. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. One one final quick question on France before we move on to matters uh, closer to domestic. Um, is is it literally a case of France's first eleven slash fourteen is capable of winning the Euros and is one of the best international teams in the world? Is it is your concern as mine is slightly that we've got all this talent coming through and it you know we just touched on the under twenty ones, let alone the first team squad of players that are coming through. Is it that concern that if you lose a Giroud, if you lose a, a Griezmann, if you lose particularly an Mbappe, it's that concern of what's coming behind it, even though the talent's there, when that talent has had its opportunity, not many of them have stepped up. Is that kind of the biggest worry going into the, the summer if they get there? There's an element of that. By the way, I just I just want to say two more things about yesterday's match. Firstly, I know, as I said before, people say it's because I'm sort of too entrenched in my views, but I thought... Coleman was really good and much better than Dembele was yeah. last week. But when Dembele came on, at least for the first five, ten minutes before he faded as usual, I thought he looked quite good. So maybe that's another thing where possibly, for me, Coleman, who bizarrely still hasn't played a full 90 minutes for France, um, I would start with him and then maybe bring Dembele on as an impact sub. The mm. other thing, the frustration, which I know other people felt was, it was a friendly, France were not creating much, Mbappe wasn't playing. Why not give both Dembele and Komen a go? Have a yeah. bit of width, give Germany something different to think about. Um, that was a bit annoying. But yeah, generally, I I don't know. I mean, I think, I still think it's fair to say that this is a kind of transition period for France. They've lost Loris, they've lost Varane. Um, you know, important players in terms of experience, caps, ability, and yet, although it's not the hardest Euro group, this was their first defeat of 2023. The first goals that Menon has conceded since he's been made number one. Yeah. So it's not panic stations yet. But yeah, there are a couple of positions where if you look behind a starter, either there's, you know, I still think, for example, right back is there's still an issue of quality, full stop. Left back, there's still an issue of defending quality, defensive quality. Um, and then other positions, yeah, it's more a question of how you get those players to sort of amass experience. And I, you know, the concern is the sort of Mbappe dependability, dependence yeah. rather, how much. How much falls on his shoulders, basically. Yeah, I mean, the last four games that he hasn't started, France haven't won any of them. And okay, yesterday was a friendly Tunisia in the World Cup was a bit of a dead rubber, and I can't remember what the other two were, but that's still a bit of a concern. Mm. Um, And I still worry that Griezmann and Giroud are not getting any younger. Yeah. But for me, Griezmann is still absolutely crucial. So key, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I still don't think anyone is... coming up as a properly viable can you know rival for Giroud I still think he does a better job than any of those sort of supposedly kind of nabbing at his heels or whatever mm. I think again slightly biased as an inter follower but I, I feel like Turam could be the one to make the breakthrough over Colomwani purely because I, I don't think Colomwani is going to get as many minutes as Turam based on the Mbappe situation at PSG um, I think Kolomuani's main advantage now is if he, Dembele and Mbappe click, 
Mm. And that obviously could be very good for France, but then you could say the same about Camavinga and Chouameni. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, neither of them are, although they both sort of have to build for it, for me, neither of them are out-and-out centre-forwards. I like them both sort of drifting to the flanks. Wide forwards, yeah. Yeah, I still don't see... Um, a replacement for Giroud as an absolute number nine, you know, ruling centre of the penalty area. Sort of basically thing. Benzema, essentially, if you were looking at the old days. Yeah, yeah. That's where I sort of feel like Turam can be that if he plays, because Inter sort of play a 4-4-2 with him and Lautaro Martinez, and I wonder if that might be the way that it goes if he's getting regular football. But, I mean, it's a long time away. There's players could break through as you say, from the U21s as well. So we shall see. Um, Let's bring things back to domestic then in terms of what's been going on. Obviously, it's been fairly quiet in Liga because of the international break. But once, well, one story dominates um, and that is of the dismissal of Laurent Blanc, who's nobody surprised to hear has left Lyon um, or was dismissed by Lyon, I should say. It wasn't exactly mutual, although I suspect it might have been on the quiet. What's your thoughts in terms of where next for Leon? And we do have a question, which I'll come on to in a second, but no surprise. But the surprise, maybe his replacement potentially being Reno Gattuso. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? I, it's no surprise in that John Texter's running the show. I think <laughs> so. uh, it's still a mess. I mean, even this sort of opportunity to get their house in order a little bit, it's not happening. You know, they've publicly sort of approached and, and been turned down by the likes of Potter and Glasner and, and Gautier. And you mm. can understand why those coaches who, you know, do have a very good pedigree would not want to go near there with a barge pole. Um, yeah, all the talk was good too. So, and is he a Mendes guy? Which obviously I think he is. rings alarm bells anyway. Yeah. And I think generally... Most people, even Napoli fans, even though I think he won the cup with them, I think most people don't massively rate him as a coach, maybe as a sort of motivator, but Mm. not really as a sort of master tactician or anything like that. I can't see how that would work out. But whatever, I mean, if that was Texas' choice, then make the choice. Mm. It seemed like he was sort of as good as offered the job on the Monday and then Texter sort of now is ridden back, which yeah. again is just messy. Um the latest name connected is uh Fabio Grosso, who yeah. did well f- with uh was it Frozenoni last year and and yeah. is available and of course used to play for Lyon. So there is that connection there. Oh, yeah, like, quite could that could be quite a good fit. But mm. just yeah, I mean why would anyone want to go there right now? Yeah, that's my issue. Did you see the Frank Lampard links? That made me chuckle. Does oh, uh, it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, in-house uh, situation. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't really see the the Katusa thing. I think it's just going to be another, you know, I feel like it would go horribly wrong. I thought the Graham Potter link was an interesting one, just given his, uh, he's slightly damaged goods and would be looking to rebuild his career, but maybe at, a club that isn't small but equally is not the largest out there. I, look, I I'm biased. I mean, yeah. I say I'm biased. I mean, a lot of Brighton fans hate him now. I think he's a fantastic coach, and I don't think he's damaged goods because I just think Chelsea are the you know yeah in a different way as much have been fire as Lyon, and yeah, I think, I, 
others may disagree but i don't think what happened there reflects badly on him at all so he, i assume he's waiting for a decent either english job or england's job i was gonna say england seems like a good fit doesn't it southgate moving on and him just sitting tight till then maybe feels yeah. like a good feels like a good fit doesn't it quite a quite an advanced coach etc um i think the issue there and i i don't care about england i need to stress that for the 400th time but i feel like England will look at him as a failure at Chelsea, even though they shouldn't. And I think that's what maybe will cost him that opportunity. But yeah. maybe, but I, you know, Southgate was a failure everywhere. <laughs> True. A lot of the Swedish people want him to manage Sweden, um, which I think would be an interesting fit given his background working over there. So that might yeah. be one to watch. Yeah. Um, one quick question we had from Keith uh, on the, the Twitter um, at Keith underscore 22 underscore. Thank you, Keith, as usual. Um, he said, uh, why didn't new ownership at OL dismiss Blanc when they have when they relieved Olas as well? I figured they would do that and want their own guys sooner rather than later. It's a good question, isn't it? Because it, you do usually get new owners slash right. Let's clear the deck, start again. Do you feel like they were just trying to curry favour because Blanc was doing all right at that point? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, yeah, I think it's clear that Texter wasn't, uh, was probably looking for the first chance to get rid of Blanc. But mm. I think, you know, as I think we said in the last pod, they, Lyon, on the second half of the season, they would have finished third. So yeah. he, did, he did a good job coming in in very difficult circumstances. He did a very good job there. And he's probably not cheap to replace. And Lyon obviously have their financial issues as well. So, mm. uh, you know, I guess you want to keep a little bit of stability somewhere within the club if you can. But uh, I don't think Texter's sort of too, I don't think he probably lost any sleep over having to get rid of him. No. No, I would agree. And uh, of course, we'll keep you posted on what comes next. Uh, whether Leon would like to make an appointment before the weekend or not is open to debate. Just before... Can I just quickly mention one more thing about Ligue 1, mm. which is Verratti and probably Draxler leaving mm. PSG to join Qatari teams, which obviously yes. doesn't stink in any way whatsoever. <laughs> Verratti 30 about half an hour ago I think it was announced he'd agreed personal terms I hadn't heard the Draxler one I must admit but yeah, yeah I don't you... know if that one's happened there's talk of it but uh yeah I, uh Are you calling sus on on those deals yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep end of story yeah I do you obviously allegedly in case anyone from PSG is listening but does slightly smack of moving money around a bit doesn't it in terms of because um, Verratti, I don't know if you saw the... Did you see the pictures of him arriving? He looked absolutely miserable when he arrived at the airport. I don't know if it's a long flight or what, but he didn't look... I don't think he's him. happy. I don't think he's happy with how it ended at PSG. And I no. sort of don't... I don't blame him. I mean, for all the issues that I've had with him, I think he's he has more often than not been excellent for them. Mm. And I think he's been treated pretty badly the way he's just suddenly you know from I think signing a contract extension in December suddenly been mm. sort of you know jettisoned out the door yeah mm. I mean a new coach can make his own choices but I got the impression it wasn't an Enrique choice it was a those of those from above choice and then Enrique sort of towed the party line by saying you won't play while I'm yeah. coach so yeah does seem like a bit of an interesting one. Um, just before we go through quickly the Liga fixtures, I just wanted to touch on uh, Paul Pogba and his situation. Obviously, at the time of recording, we don't know what the next steps are, but 
what do you make of that? I mean, he's he's tested positive for, I, think, I believe it's Nandrolone um, on his A sample. We're waiting for the B sample announcement. Juventus have come out and basically said if he's found to have been uh, or, or found the, the test is to be positive, they will terminate his contract. He is over 30 now. This is quite a sad potential end to a, a World Cup winner and key figure in, in France's history, isn't it? I mean, this is a player who's, I feel like that Man United move was the worst thing he could have done. And I, I get why he went for it, but it's just been injury after controversy with everything that went on off the pitch. It's kind of looking like a bit of a sad end for a really, really brilliant player, isn't it? It's quite sad what's going on. Yeah, I, I, I got a sort of very chardonnay message from a, a friend of mine who supports Man United. <laughs> um, I don't feel the same way. I know, I, I think he's, I'm still a huge fan of his. I still think he could be um, such a great player. You know, he's still, I think, only 29, 30. Um, yeah. If you, you know, if he was free from injuries and free from sort of off the pitch issues, he could still be such a great. And he sh- I don't think he should have gone back to United. I'm not sure he should have gone back to Juventus after that. No. Um, but, you know, injuries and, and off-field stuff is is not, you know, it's not like he hasn't performed on the pitch. He hasn't even had a chance to perform on the pitch for, for Juventus anyway. And and yeah, I mean, it's pure speculation at this point. And you hope that it's one of those cases where, which there still seem to be where, you know, it was either an accident or just some weird reading or something like that. I mean, yeah. part of me thinks surely he couldn't be that silly. And part of me thinks he you know, maybe he's just desperate. And the crazy thing is that it was a test after a match that he didn't even play in. Yeah. Um, so I just, yeah, I really hope for for his sake, for everything that he's he's achieved and done in the club game and, of course, mainly for France, um, but even everything that I think he maybe could still achieve, I just, I really hope that it's some kind of anomaly and that, and that he will not get any kind of, of lengthy ban because you have to think if he did get say you know three four year ban that his career done, much the end it? of his career yeah yeah he might come back and play for you know no offense he might pop up at Mets for a season and I would <laughs> take that all day long I'm sure you would I would certainly have him at Lorient as well but um yeah the, the, the thing that stood out to me of the announcement was the quote from his agent Rafaela Pimenta which was the quote was, the certain thing is that Paul Pogba never wanted to break the rules. And I just thought that was a weird quote because yeah, my I argument... Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, my argument was like he never wanted to break the rules. Does that mean he figured he'd just take the chance and hope for the best, but didn't actually want... Do you know what I mean? It's like, it just sounded like a bit of a... You wanted a stronger denial, didn't you? You wanted a, he has not done this, this was yeah. not happening, end of. To sort of say he never wanted to kind of implies guilt there which uh, that was the bit that worries me but again by this time next week maybe we'll know a bit more and we'll be able to comment further but yeah let's hope for his sake that it is just a um you know an error that that can be rectified um right let's have a very quick look before we go at the weekend's fixtures because we are back and as much as we love france i think we all agree that it's quite nice to have domestic football back this international break is never the best nor is the november one in fairness but hey ho it is what it is. Uh, on the 15th, which is Friday, I think I'm right saying, yes, it is. We've got PSG against Nice, which is the evening game. 
which uh, looks pretty decent on paper. Um, on the Saturday, you've got 4pm game, which is Ren against Lille. That's the Devo against Colomuani, maybe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is indeed. And um, two underperformers against each other, Ren and Lille, on, uh, on uh, Saturday at 4pm. You'll be tuning in for Lons against Mets. Um, I don't know if I will be. From behind the sofa. Well, it's one of those, isn't it? It's like, can Mets get continue a decent start to the season and will the real Lons show their face or not? I guess that's the question Saturday night. Lorient against Monaco is the midday game on Sunday. I may also be watching that from behind the sofa. The uh, selection of three, four, uh, two o'clock games are Rouse against Brest, Clermont against Nantes, uh, Strasbourg against Montpellier. And Marseille, not on, well, technically they are on telly, but they're not the evening game. They're the late afternoon game on Sunday as they host Toulouse at uh, at home uh, at the Velodrome, and then Lyon against Lav is the evening game on Sunday. That will probably be worth a watch now, given what's going on with Lyon. If for nothing else, maybe we'll be on Ultras watch. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> wonder what they might have to say, depending on how that particular game goes um, in the evening. That one would be worth a look. Any of those stand out to you? I guess the obvious one is is probably Ren against Lille, isn't it? That. Uh, afternoon game on Saturday two teams that really need to start winning yeah I think so and Ren I think they're unbeaten but similarly to Marseille they're sort of right up there without having played very well at all mm. um, and Kalimwendo the injury that he sustained um, for the under 21s looked pretty bad I mean it, yeah. it looked like a sort of you know he did his hamstring so um that's an interesting one because obviously he has been playing as their as their main striker, so yeah, centre forward. So it'll be interesting to see who comes in for him. Just Guiri moving to the middle, how that how they'll deal with that. But um, yeah, yeah, especially with Terrier still number of weeks off fitness as well. So yeah, it does limit their attacking options, and yeah. So I think yeah, potentially that's 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 the sort of biggest match. But um, I don't know. I think Laurie or Monaco, even Ras Brest, I think could be quite entertaining as well. Yeah, yeah. Ras Brest, Brest have surprised me. I must admit, they've been quite free flowing this season, and, and Ras have been. Um, did you did you get a chance to listen to that interview with Will Still? No, not yet. It's very much worth a listen um, if you can get past Jake Humphrey and his yeah <laughs> um, Jake Humphreyness. But uh, yeah, um, he's not a bad bloke, but he just. I don't know something about it, but yeah, we're still very, very good, very interesting, very articulate, and and very honest. And I think I think we forget he's in his thirties, which is crazy, really. Um, but yeah, very, very good, very good listen. It's on the High Performance Podcast if you want to listen to that. So there you go, splendid. Right, um, shorter episode as I said this week because we wanted to uh, just kind of get in your ears, if you pardon the expression, before. The weekend, and we've got European action as well. Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference kick off next week. We'll touch on that next Tuesday or Monday whenever we record, probably Monday actually. So we'll give you a lowdown on what's to come. And of course, look back at the weekend's league action. So enjoy that. And many thanks to Keith for the question again. Thank you for that. And of course, to those tuning in, listening as always. Uh, you can shoot us a question anytime if you want to before the podcast. We usually put a tweet out to uh, ask for questions, but yeah, feel free to get in touch if you want to ask us anything at all. Right, Jess, that will do it for this evening. So um, thank you very much. And if Phil's still on a holiday, she should be back next week. But uh, thank you very much for joining us and uh, keeping the lights on. Thank you. (laughs)
Thank you. <laughs> no worries. Right. Uh, that is it for us then. Thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate you all. Uh, whichever game or team you follow this weekend, enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you very soon.